0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. And not just any fantasy today, because today we are I... discussing a very popular series. I would say one of those like Twitter darling books that have been recommended to us <laughs> countless times and gets lots of love and lots of praise, and rightfully so, of course. And we just had to make an episode about it.
1: We did, Charles. I... I've noticed every time that Jade City starts coming up on Twitter you start getting a bunch of very excited fans of this series demanding that you read it demanding mm-hmm. that you read the whole series as well that's a that's a big one is <laughs> <it> once <laughs> once you get involved in the greenbone saga they're like you gotta go all the way with this so we uh, we're a third of the way through that series having just read. Yeah, Fonda Lee's first book in the series, Jade City. <laughs> and yeah, we're really excited to join all you folks on Twitter in espousing the wonderful uh, writing of Fonda Lee and this fantastic book.
0: That's right. We are here to discuss Jade City, book one of the Greenbone Saga. Uh, came out in 2017 relatively modern one of the more modern books that we've read and Mm. discussed on the show won the world fantasy award in 2018 and uh Mm. you know it's it's got two other books jade legacy came out just last year so this is a very modern fresh take on this fantasy like modern fantasy genre lots of like crime syndicate organized crime violence um uh, and yeah i'm really excited to to get into the meat of it but before we get too much further i think we gotta throw out our our spoiler warning right
1: yeah charles and i are gonna have a no holds barred conversation when it comes to jade city by fonda lee so If you haven't yet read this book, now's a good time to get started with that, but it's also a good time to turn this down in your headphones, because you don't want to get this awesome book spoiled for you.
0: No, you don't, and there's a lot of great stuff in here, so I highly recommend you go, you read it, you check it out, and then you come back and give this a listen, because we've got a lot to say about Jade City, so... Let's get right into it. Jade City—quite a departure from some of the fantasy novels we've been reading recently in terms of its setting. Uh, We got a much more modern setting. There's cars and planes and televisions, and you know, it's it's kind of like a post World War II, like hustle and bustle of the city setting for a fantasy world. And I found that rather refreshing. I did, too. Although every time
1: I read a series in fantasy that has one of these more urban fantasy, more modern settings in it, it is slightly jarring for me. And I just uh, until I get maybe a quarter of the way in or so, I keep being like, oh, wait, yeah, there's phones, (laughs) things like that, because it's a totally, uh, yeah, totally different time period than we're used to. And I think it works extremely well in this book. I am, I'm really happy to read a book like this because like you said, it, it is a breath of fresh air to get to read something that's in this time period. Uh, so it was, it was cool. And I think Fonda Lee handles it extremely well. It's uh it doesn't focus on any of the technology so much as it focuses on the stuff that we love in fantasy, which is the magic and the magic system that she right. creates centered around the concept of jade.
0: Right, exactly. And I even think uh, Fonda Lee, our author here, has gone on, like on the record as saying she explicitly wanted to write um, an epic fantasy in a more non-traditional setting. So I I think that was very successfully achieved here. What she pulls on is a lot of really interesting, I'm going to say like um, tropes or like plot points, key elements from a lot of organized crime stories and, and, and organized crime, uh, classic tropes and plot elements and, and she brings those into her fantasy story and she weaves in this magic system that uh, kind of enriches the whole thing and and tells this whole unique story very appropriate for a fantasy world so it's like okay like the godfather in a fantasy magic system kind of setting like sign me up for that. I'm, I'm ready that, like sold me on the premise alone
1: For sure. An easy book to pitch to folks and Mm -hmm. one that you'll feel confident will deliver. And I think a lot of folks who aren't big fantasy readers, they, they don't realize that this kind of stuff is being written out there. They think of fantasy and it still brings up the idea, well, pretty much like what's going on Swords in the Swords and Rings sorcery. Power, right? <laughs> right? Like, so, yeah, things like House of that. the Dragon. Yeah, everything's got elves and dwarves, or even, yeah, House of the Dragon, which is, uh, you know, less high fantasy than what I'm uh, conjuring up. But it's for, still like dragon and think castles of in the Lord of the Rings and world, and, but, yeah, and, and medieval and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is a book that I think could be a really great gateway fantasy book for folks if you know that especially if you know they're into some of these crime syndicate type stories and you're like oh you like uh, you know the godfather give this book a read so i'm always happy when we get one of those books that you feel confident will be a great entry point into fantasy for people because we're always trying to get more people into reading fantasy and this one has a lot to offer in showing the breadth of what fantasy can cover and uh, how much exciting, innovative stuff is out there.
0: Well said. It's also a great example of how you can use genre bending to tell an exciting new story. Take, for example... Like, a lot of people say it's Godfather-esque. A lot of reviews very commonly pull in The Godfather. I don't think you can't talk about the story of Jade City and not make parallels to The Godfather. You know, you have, um, like, the, the way the crime family is set up where you have kind of like your right-hand man and your and your soldier, like the underboss and the consigliere of, of the godfather. And then you have soldiers and capos, like fingers and fists. So it, it's like really interesting elements, not just of how the crime is structured, but also the family relationships. You've got like the hot-headed, quick-to-violence one. You've got the one who's more mild-mannered, trying to stay out of the family and being pulled in. Like all these common uh, tropes being pulled in but the way that fonda Lee takes almost like these ingredients and makes her own recipe and makes her own final dish is really fascinating and i feel like a lot of stories especially in fantasy can get heavily criticized for being derivative like how many tolkien clones have we Uh, heard of in the past and it's so easy to write a story that's just kind of a retooling of a more classic fantasy story and i feel like this genre more so than other areas of fiction are are plagued with that and it's kind of easy to say oh it's a godfather ripoff but it's really not because we're, we're taking the same ingredients but we're making a totally different dish and that's, to me, one of the most impressive things about Fonda Lee's s- story here with the Greenbone Saga. It's like, wow, by taking these elements and and working them into this world that you so lovingly, painstakingly built in this magic system and the economy that exists and the political factions that exist that you've made totally from the ground up and then work these mob story elements into it it breathes new life into it and it's very exciting and i think one of the highest praises i had is it made me want to watch the godfather got me into this whole like organized crime kick i was like oh i want to read this story and that story and i did watch to the godfather and the godfather part Two. i did yeah i watched them after reading this because i was just so in the mood and they're very different stories obviously They, they hit similar beats more like almost like you know it It's organized crime. You're gonna have certain beats that are that are hit. It's kind of what makes them fun So she hits those But she changes which characters which and how that affects the relationship of the family because her characters are wholly original and the situations that she brings them in are really strong and the magic system obviously is something that does not exist in other organized crime stories that I've that I've watched or read so um and I think we're going to have a lot to say about that magic system. But before I get to that, I'll just finish my thought of, yeah, really great use of these organized crime ingredients here. And and, and she completely avoided that pitfall of just, oh, what if the Godfather had magic? It's like, no, this is a totally different <laughs> story. And thank goodness for that. And I think it speaks to Fonda Lee's um, keen perception of, like, what story beats do I want to hit to like, fall into the genre, and how do I break away and tell my own story, and it's really well balanced here.
1: Well said, Charles, and all these, this talk of ingredients and dishes, (laughs) you know, it's relatively early, Saturday morning over here, I haven't really had a real breakfast, so it is getting me hungry, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I was hungry for more Godzilla stories.
0: Oh, you're going to admit this right now? (laughs) Godfather
1: stories, especially... Yeah, I'm going to admit this right now. Yeah, I'm not going to dance around this, okay? I am no coward. (laughs) I haven't watched The Godfather. (laughs) You know, I think today that's (laughs) And I'm coming to you... Yeah. (laughs) I'm coming to you with this, Charles. You know this about me already. Uh, But I'm also trusting all of our listeners with this. and (laughs) I'm sure... No one will. uh, No one will tweet at the FDF account. You haven't watched The Godfather, dude. (laughs) Like three exclamation
0: points and all that (laughs) you're just lucky you successfully uh you're lucky you successfully fled Long Island before you admitted that I think that's the biggest thing in Colorado (laughs) no one's gonna care you're safe so (laughs) you know for me it's like coming from the northeast and having a family that has a lot of Italian American roots to it it's like like a second Bible, basically. It's a religious text, the, the book of the Godfather and also the the movies. So um, I've seen them. I've read the book. Uh, I think they're great stories. They're classics. And uh, um, I think it would be interesting for you now to watch it, especially after having read Jade City of like, oh, interesting how we played with these kind of, these moments in the story and with these these character roles. And uh, But I don't think it in any way... It's not like a love to The Godfather or anything. You're not missing anything from this experience by not watching The Godfather. For me, it's just like it made me want to watch it because it just got me excited mm-hmm. about the genre and wanting more, you know. So, Which is a good thing. Um, I'm not necessarily suggesting that, oh, you get so much more out of the Greenbone saga by having watched The Godfather. Not true. It's just if you like one, you like the other. So, I don't think right. we're gonna. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're gonna leave too much on the table, like discussion-wise, having not seen it. I think we can forgive you for that. That's good. I mean, well handled, Charles.
1: I don't feel like less of a human by nature. <laughs> I mean, you should. you should. you should watch it. Godfather. I will. I actually wanted to before this discussion. It's just long. It's a long movie. Just, uh, it's so long. That's really why I haven't watched it because, uh, I mean, people think this is. Ironic because I read these doorstopper (laughs) books, but I actually, these like (laughs) like, 40 hour audiobooks, uh, those two. (laughs) And I mean, it's uh, yeah, for some reason, when it comes to movies and stuff, I'm like, give me a tight like hour, 40 minutes, and let's call it. And when I start seeing movies that are like three hours long, I'm like, I I don't think I can do this, but. I will do it. I actually meant to watch The Godfather before this episode, so I didn't embarrass myself in the discussion. (laughs) But here we are. And, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, Charles, but it, it
0: can only get in the way... For so long, because I I am going to watch The Godfather. Well, we are looking forward to that day. But I think one of the striking differences from The Godfather is that we have a whole magic system. You know, The Godfather Mm. has none Exactly. Exactly. And to me, this is part of what makes the book really shine. Obviously, Fondalee's. Good sense shine. of... Shine. Nailed oh, it. thank you.
1: Yes. <laughs> <One>. You also <laughs> said that she has keen perception, which is one of the disciplines And in... Uh, you said that a lot I sure did. I was did. like, you know, I'll let him, I'll let him d- do d- his I'm thing. Glad I'm glad you're catching
0: gonna... up on these. This is the kind of quality content that you can expect from the French Talking Fantasy podcast, so be sure to drop five stars uh, Mostly Shopify, Charles' hat. Did, <laughs> did you say four stars? Five stars. Did you say... I mean,
1: five. You gotta play that back. I I heard four. Oh, uh, maybe. Don't get four.
0: Rate five stars on uh, Spotify.
1: Actually, you can give us four stars on Shopify if you want. <laughs> 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 We're not, we don't mind. <laughs> but anyway, Charles, I, I desegged your seg. So As let's As you said, it's early morning. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, I'm still going <laughs> well, through my coffee ta- here. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've been more of a a two coffee guy lately and i'm only one in so sorry for mm, not your, your being tolerance on, is on going down just like usual. shine
0: you just need more and more and more
1: um exactly yeah and let's let's get into this magic system charles I don't, have a, I don't have a fun seg in the, in the way that you do but uh, it's it's essentially a a drug uh, i i would say because it it has these uh Sort of withdrawal effects that come Mm -hmm. into play and it can uh, cause side effects that are actually dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has tolerance as well. But the cool thing about taking Jade is you basically can get these uh, superhuman powers uh, from it. And it also... So there's those disciplines I mentioned, uh, they're trained in it in in an academy setting where it's uh, strength, steel, perception, lightness, deflection, and channeling. And, you know, everyone's kind of got their own skill set and what they're they're good at, what they're not as good at. And the extent to which you you have jade is it becomes a status symbol as well in this society. It means so much to have a lot of jade. And so it's got this physiological element of having more jade. It's like you're addicted to it. And right. then this sociological element, which is, uh, hey, I've got to look big. I'm, let's say, a am one of the uh, pillars, right? You have to have a lot of jade and show you can handle a lot of jade. And that obviously plays a big role uh, in, the, in the plot. In With Lon, some, yeah. Uh, like, with lawn yeah and yeah it's it's a really interesting magic system i i think i would call it a hard magic system yeah uh, i'll make that differentiation between the soft magic systems uh where this uh, brandon sanderson uh magic system way of thinking but it's, become hugely right. popular in the genre overall to talk about this way soft magic systems being where you don't really know a lot about how the magic works very mysterious in this you know we have the disciplines they're being taught how to use it and it's explained really well
0: right it's so, not as hard as something like right. metallurgy where like it's super in like mistborn. in mistborn but it and that's almost kind of what i like about it. it's like you okay you grab jade and it makes you superhuman in a lot of ways but the extent to like how far you can exert yourself and how much you can do there's a lot of like muddy variables and like how pure is your like are you the right bloodline how good is your natural ability working with jade like you know Mm -hmm. how much have you used Recently, you know, all these kind of things make it really interesting and nebulous and add to kind of the drama of the story. So it's kind of soft in those respects. But I would agree with you that it is quite a hard magic system. And it, and you're making me think of um, uh, Sanderson's uh, Laws of Magic and the second one where it's like, OK, the magic systems like weaknesses are almost or limitations mm. are almost as interesting as its strengths. And more interesting, more interesting than it's, and its I believe, Sanderson. Okay, would say. right, yeah. and that is very true. Here, the first thing I like about it is that it's a resource, right? It's fuel that you have to mine, and it becomes an integral part of the economy of this. Between these two clans and within the whole government that they're working with, it's like okay, we control the production of Shine, and we're the only ones that can really use it. And there's other governments that want to be able to use it, but don't have the right bloodline, and and all of these things that make it super interesting. And how the controlling of that and the affects the economy, and affects the um, socioeconomic mm-hmm. relationships between the clans and the government nice. is super interesting and then you know you have the fact that like you said these these kind of drawbacks to it the the withdrawal symptoms of it as well so you have those those really interesting limitations on this and it fuels a lot of the characters like struggles and concerns like as much as this is their source of like political power and physical power obviously it's also killing them like lon died from taking too much shine because he needed to like wear more jade than he could handle and then you know you have all these characters living and dying and you have the itches right which is when when withdrawal is so strong you just crave it too much that you like kill yourself and and there's no cure for it once you show signs of it it's a death sentence and that weighs on some characters as well like one of my favorite characters andy uh andon has that weighing over him andy is that what the cool kids calls him andy uh, so I just called him Andy, but that it, it sways over him constantly and then we'll get more into his character as we go through the discussion. But it, it, those limitations are super fascinating and super strong. And what makes this book wholly original to me is the whole socioeconomic intricacies between the clans, the governments, and the relationships within the families. And how what is essentially like what if like this heroin like superpower like it's heroin but it also gives you superpowers you know it's, it's like this weird combination sometimes and uh, I, I it's super fascinating and it fuels the whole story it, it's it's really imaginative and uh, um, exciting so great use by Fondalee of the magic system here
1: great use indeed Charles and to. Close out those Sanderson laws. The last one is expand on what you have already before you add something new. This idea that going into depth with your magic system with maybe just one kind of magic and seeing the ramifications of how it affects people and society at all these different levels is more important than the breadth of having a bunch of different magic systems or something going on at once and i think that it's another place where Lee demonstrates her mastery of uh, magic system writing here where jade you went through it there charles uh it has we said physiological effect psychological effect sociological effect uh economic or socioeconomic effect Mm -hmm. right it's just it pervades every part of this society uh from the way that they speak uh down to or up to, like, the way that wars end up getting waged. And <laughs> exactly. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And for, it's a it's a delicious feast for Ooh. any fantasy. I'm just starving. <laughs> to uh, keep this going. For, <laughs> any, <laughs> for any fantasy readers who love a great magic system, it's one I would be very quick to recommend for folks who are fans of uh, Saracen's work, like Mistborn, even though it's a totally different set setting totally different story but it's that magic system uh, that makes us uh, in part so easy to recommend to folks
0: agreed and it's like and it's it, it's plotting it's just a fun read too that's such an important thing for me these days after reading tons of fantasy it's like sometimes when you're building your big epic world you forget to make moment like more fun moments throughout and and this story remains fun and interesting throughout so and her plotting i'd say is way up there in terms of her strengths and and the strengths of this book too it's Mm -hmm. like the magic system the plotting uh and, and even the world building not just the world itself but the characters and their relationships which when you're writing like an organized crime story is so crucial to get right and it's easy to just rely on archetypes like oh hilo's just an angry violent guy and he just wants to go out and beat people up and you always have to hold him back but then he gets loose and he starts fighting the enemy and now you're in a war it's like so easy to do but uh, a character like hilo he's so sensitive and he has such a good perception of people it really brings this interesting element to his character and then he gets thrown into the spotlight of being pillar i'm getting ahead of myself but to, to say that like all of these complex interpersonal relationships are so strong in the in this book
1: yeah the idea that family and duty play such a large role here Mm -hmm. and even the idea of a character like shay just leaving just moving somewhere (laughs) else uh, was such a such an insult to everyone around her and changes the way everyone sees her and uh, those kind of parts they're these they're like conflict makers which are exactly right. what you want in a uh, i think in writing in general in the same way that the limitations or weaknesses of magic system are more interesting than strengths the conflicts between characters and the uh, just the ways in which uh, problems are created in a story are much more interesting a lot of times than people resolving things all the time or things being positive in a book. So it's exciting to see all these characters grapple with that. I think, you know, you mentioned, and we'll get into the plot details more, but you mentioned Hilo having to take over a role in which he is ill-equipped, giving his Mm -hmm. personality and having to try to evolve into that role. I think it it shows, uh, I think that, Fonda Lee, she she knows how to create conflict and, or move people into uncomfortable situations in a way that shows that complexity of character that mm-hmm. that you were bring out right if if Hilo was just the horn the entire time a role where he he you know he fit that role like a glove oh. and or, or that role fit him like a glove uh, <laughs> you know uh, and if he just stays in that role the whole time, then he doesn't have to show all of the sides of his personality, but he then has to take on this leadership role as the pillar, which is much more demanding of, I guess, multiplicity in one's behavior and personality. You can't just be this, uh, you know, warmonger. And mm. you know, I, Hilo my favorite character. Mm, in this he's book, up there. And it's, It's for me because he he shows all of that, I guess, depth and personality, all these different sides of him once he takes over the pillar role. Before that, he was not... Actually, before that, Lon was probably my favorite. Uh, Rest in peace.
0: (laughs) R.I.P. Lon. Yeah.
1: Lon was. Lon was... Yeah. Lon was a good, I think, a good fit for the pillar role because... He was able to keep the peace. He has this more, I guess, I don't know if mild-mannered is the right way to put it, but just when mm-hmm. you compare people to Hilo, everyone's mild-mannered. Um, right. He's got this, I guess it's like greater stoicism and this level-headedness that made him a perfect fit for that role. And uh, yeah, he's it's also, I mean, I want to bring up spoilers from house of the dragon but there's there's actually a similar um
0: yeah i you know i've compared lawn to certain characters in house of the dragon too i'm like it's kind of an interesting archetype of like the imperfect leader you know it's like is this person doing the right thing is he right for the job sometimes and and uh a certain i think lon was better equipped yes than the character that yes lon is definitely um. more qualified and but still has these mm-hmm. key flaws to him that i find super interesting and he even tries to combat those flaws and it's in, in, in combating those flaws that ends up killing him almost essentially uh, that. So yeah. it, it really interesting. I I I would have to say I agree with you in a lot of respects. My favorite character is still Anden. I just love the ending of this book. I think the scene with Anden and Hilo at the end mm. is the best scene in the book. So that's kind of like my he kind of shines for me, but Hilo's That's fair. Hilo's such a complex character, and he shines. He he shines. He, he shines, and uh, it's um, <laughs> I, I I love his. Oh, really? It's lawn that shines. That was the <laughs> problem. You ish, know a I star say. that shined way too bright. <laughs> ah, yes. And uh, until it uh, burned out, unfortunately. Uh, But yeah, Hilo, Hilo's great for for his complexity. He is very sensitive and he does love people and he understands this, what makes human connection intimate. You know, he's very in in tune with that more than any other character in the story. Um, He knows how to lead people and hold people accountable as a way to kind of lift them up. But he, he can't quite seem to do that for Andin, which we'll get to that in a moment. I, I think we need to just start getting into some plot points here. Otherwise, we're going to be all over the place in terms of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, one of these like book-end characters that super fascinates me, this story, is Barrow the Thief. Mm-hmm. where he's just kind of he's here at the beginning and he's kind of in the middle with lon and he's at the end with lon too it's just like he's a guy who's done nothing but mess up and do things wrong but because he's I know. so bold in doing it he shakes things up more than anyone realizes including himself it's just like <laughs> the things that he's done throughout this he's like the inciting and in. Incident in which Hilo wants to go to war with uh, the Mountain Clan, right? He's he's like, oh, yeah, there's been like this weird territory disputes and and Hilo wants to, you know, go out and fight and Lon's kind of being the the, the peacekeeper in the beginning here.
1: Yeah, I, I like the idea of Barrow and the way that Barrow is is written by Fondly. I hate Barrow as a person. Yeah. He's so just his like way of thinking
0: about himself is so annoying. But I love like, that Fondalee commits to that though. It's very Abercrombie esque. Oh, it's of, great like, character. Yeah, where you commit to that.
1: <laughs> well, it's just uh, it's great you bring him up because I was just thinking about how much I like these ideas of history turning on just these weird moments and even just these people who seem inconsequential mm. can can change the world and i uh, you know there's that story about the assassination of archduke Franz ferdinand mm. uh, you know that's uh throwback to our high school uh <laughs> history days u.s history yeah. um by, Is he inferred, or yeah. actually U.S. history? Well, the Euro history really. Uh, although you know, uh, U.S. got involved. But point being, well, shout out to Miss Halloran. Shout right? out to our Euro European history, history that was teacher
0: our...
1: for her patience putting yeah, it up with us. Yeah, that was us. a great class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have gotten kicked out that class. You're I only kicked out like times, once but... or twice, yeah, <laughs> for being yeah, a class clown. Yeah. And she was always very kind about it. She was mm-hmm. like. You know, Dillard, I feel like today is not going to be a good day for you in this class.
0: Really. <laughs> <laughs> she understood and, head st- out. and still loved you for it.
1: Oh, yeah. Miss Howard and I had a g- great relationship. Uh, she was like... She wrote so, one of my letters of recommendation, I didn't end up I needing... Think. She was going to write one of mine, but I didn't end up needing them for... You know, uh, but Sports anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's that? Sports reasons, right? <laughs> Sports reasons, yes. Um, but uh, enough about Miss Haller and the oldies. You know, old she was you know, like my favorite teacher. But uh, what was I talking? About? Assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. She'd be so proud. <laughs> uh, and but what ended up happening is, I think the people who were going to assassinate him. Uh, I'm gonna double check this next time you're talking, Charles, and get it right if I if I got anything wrong. But people who were supposed to assassinate him. They uh, like miss their actual chance and then they're like pissed off. Like, we screwed this up and they go to get burgers or something. And then, like, right outside where they go to eat, Franz Ferdinand's car broke down. And so, just (laughs) right in front of her, they're just sitting there. And then they're like, oh, wow, like, we still got a shot at this. And then they assassinate him. So, And these are very minor people. I don't know their names, but, you know, not people in position of power you'd expect history to turn on. And it's just this weird coincidence that changes everything. Mm -hmm. And that's what this moment reminds me of uh, in Jade City where Barrow and uh, his, I can't remember the name of the other character that was there during that moment, but they're just showing up. They're supposed to like, shh. Okay, they're showing up to just shoot up this place and it wasn't even designed to be in any way an assassination of Lan. They were, you know, they, they, they would never expect these two punk kids to be able to actually assassinate Lan. And just between uh, they see him leaving, they're like, oh, wow, that's him. They mistake what their goal is supposed to be here. And they follow him. And just by chance, it's like the worst time for him where he's all like hopped up on too much jade because he's got to make this big show about how powerful he is and how he can handle it. Um, And on top of that, he's, you know, he's using this shine to try to like use even more. And he's just all messed up. Mm. And they just catch him at the right time or the wrong time, depending on your perspective. And this tiny little dude, Barrows, that (laughs) should play no large role in history, ends up like turning history on its head I, <laughs> I would say i mean assuming especially you know this is like this uh, one city really but i i assume especially looking at the titles of the following books like <laughs> jade war jade legacy i assume that that moment is gonna change the history of, of this world so For sure. it's and what's interesting about it is how moment.
0: like all the wrong reasons Barrow was even in that moment in the first place, because he was this mysterious, you know, green bone from the mountain clan gave him this huge submachine gun and was like, just go and shoot up the like the nightclub that he frequents. Just shoot it up and drive away. Right? That was the instruction. And then Barrow's like, oh, I'll win him over by going in a step further and taking the initiative. And and attacking Lon directly, and it's like the fact that you would even think that that's what this Greenbone wanted means you're super clueless. The fact that you think you can go and approach one of the most powerful Greenbones there is, Lon, and somehow survive is another one. And then the fact that Lon actually just like gets a heart attack from a Shine overdose and dies while you're there it's like it's this combination of luck and ignorance uh, and this blatant misinterpretation of i guess it's i show but really just like this blatant misinterpretation of how mob like mentality works it's like you don't just go and whack the the uh the pillar of the rival clan dude you just go and you shoot up his favorite place and you drive off like that's all you needed to do like what did you think we're gonna let you in now that you did this so really fascinating like misuse of honor and and reputation and and pride that that gets um barrow cast out and gets lon killed so um Yeah, really, really interesting, well built up, well constructed plot point there right in the middle of the book or about three quarters of the way into the book, right? That was such a great payoff for what happens with Lon and this whole brewing rivalry between the two clans and the fact that just it was so contentious that one little agitation from Barrow kicked off a whole stream of bad things. And then, of course, you have... Uh, right after that you have Hilo and then you have Shea just attacking uh, mountain territory you're like oh mm. snap like because that's the other thing too if they realized it was an accident that not related to the mountain clan maybe they would have shown some restraint but they didn't they immediately went and killed a bunch of soldiers from the mountain clan and then at that point there's no turning back no matter what the reason was so and you have to yeah. keep the real reason buried and the irony kind of, like buried yeah the
1: irony of the of lan sparing barrow at the, mm, the start of the book truth. too and then it coming back to bite him right lan even in that moment recognizes like is this a kid that tried to steal from us way right before <laughs> are you kidding me it's like i <laughs> i yeah. spared you you should be so glad like i should have killed you and of course uh the no good deed goes unpunished for land here. And he ends up going down for trying to be a nice dude, which also felt very Abercrombie.
0: Right. There's a few times here where mercy is met with, uh, ill rebuke, right? Because you have Shay who was begging to spare, um, the weatherman. I forget his name. Um, but.
1: Oh, it's, um, it's
0: uh doru doru yeah so you have doru right who they exposed as either being incompetent or on the take one of the two with the mountain clan and Hilo's like well he has to die straight up and then shay's like no he can like play checkers with grandfather and they're like well yeah. just take his jade away and they can play checkers. i know about that move <laughs> and i was like really <laughs> when like, they were making that move i was like play checkers with the guy that everyone hates that's half senile anyway like uh, yeah i would have killed him for sure but uh you know it's your grandfather you want him to have someone to be with it was a very interesting to us that the grandfather gave up some of his jade something they would have never expected him yeah. to do like the ultimate disrespect to his kids of like you guys are weak and i hate you all <laughs> <laughs> and they're like you know the grandfather had a, still had a little bit in him too it's like, like you almost kind of respect him in a way of like they think they can just send me a playmate and i'd be docile and all of this <laughs> like i can still i still got it you know it's such a fun moment like so in the oh, that was a good moment call sen's character is so great where he continues to just disrespect and hate his his grandkids <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the only one he liked is Lon And even Lon, he was like Trying to beat the crap out of him He refused early to in the change book, Duru as the weatherman Like he refused Lon's yeah. Like,
0: you know Executive decisions Wouldn't let him make any of those big decisions
1: Yeah It's, it's a lot of nasty things it, to him It was a good moment I Yeah, I was I was surprised By him giving the jade Because they, because finally builds jade so well mm. as a thing what that you would never think to give away and someone as proud as call said mm. but that's what made it the, the perfect <laughs> he hates way his grandkids to that have much. this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> just didn't think he'd have that much hatred for his grandkids. he just <laughs> he, he hates them I so much that give away his
0: own jade is brilliant yeah yeah just to <laughs> screw them over and when he's old and kind of powerless too like it's his moment of feeling powerful again too which is great well again another just well constructed moment built on yeah all of the tension between the family and what we know about jade it's like the payoffs in some of these plot moments are, are so good and so juicy and that's just one of the more subtle there. ones even yeah yeah
1: I mean, Shay. That's a critical mistake, critical. I think, from Shay. And I, I, I get that he's supposed to be this sort of uncle figure to them. But there's a there's a time where you need to be kind of ruthless. I I think, and Hilo was the man for that job. It yeah. was not something that he was looking forward to, but he was planning on on eventually getting around to killing duru and mm-hmm. that guy i mean from the first moment we're exposed to him i was like this guy's bad news <laughs> this guy is 100 percent betraying you and you gotta get this guy out of here as soon as possible and they did not and i think that's another one that's gonna have yeah. some serious ramifications you know, she's
0: made some them. questionable decisions for me uh, like she's in that role of like look she. She felt defined by her family, being part of like one of the two most known families in this con in this country, um, and she wants to make an identity for herself. We're familiar with that trope, and then the family kind of pulls her back in. But during all of that, she's like, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm still trying to make my way. I'm proud of my independence, this and that," and then which I kind of liked. It was interesting. Like, and then there's a case of like, how much can you earn any of your own independence when you're so in, ingrained in this family. And then ultimately her getting pulled back in was almost like an inevitability in a lot of ways. Like, but yeah. she was always kind of half in, half out. She's, she's been on the edge a bunch of times and it wasn't until she kind of faces off with the, uh, with the Mountain Clan... Um, what's her face, Mada, Ait Mada, that Mm -hmm. she kind of is a little bit more affirmed in decision. But she's been waffling this whole book, and she made the questionable decision to attack Mountain Territory. I mean, she thought Lon was assassinated, so you kind of give her a pass there. But she went from, oh, I'm going to be an individual to... I'm killing Mountain Clan soldiers uh, off the inciting mm-hmm. incident of Lon's death, which is a powerful motivator. But to go from not in the family business to killing people seems very strong. And then, of course, letting uh, sparing uh, the weatherman is another questionable move. So she's she's full of those. She's full of those. She's an interesting kind of waffle of character here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and and by design, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. and I, I don't know, I I buy I buy the motivation once Lan is killed. I I just feel like Lan he represents this this person who is keeping everything together in the family, in the city between the clans because he is this level-headed uh, figure who takes his role very seriously and is doing just everything he can to Prevent all out war, and it ranges back to his days trying to keep the peace between Hilo and Shea. Mm-hmm. And in it makes him, in retrospect, a character built to die to build conflict, like mm-hmm. he is the perfect character to kill off because as soon as he is killed off it makes sense that Shay and Hilo would A, be like at conflict with each other and have to find a way to resolve things. But you kick off this conflict where it's it's gotten rid of the political person who's keeping this all together. Mm-hmm. And it's also gotten rid of just the, the personality and the family that's keeping everyone at bay. And I think that everyone loves so much that they're going to want to take vengeance like that. So I, I actually, I buy Shay as... Uh, as turning that far in a moment of uh, I guess grief and loss because
0: mm-hmm.
1: she immediately does regret she's like that felt like a dream she's not acting right. like herself in that moment mm-hmm. and I think even though she wasn't in the clan she was yeah I think that it's I I It reached a point where her decisions to not be a part of the clan and not engage in certain behaviors were almost more of a statement to, like, show how she's not defined by the clan Mm -hmm. rather than in itself being about, like, oh, I want this job. Oh, I want to live
0: here. Oh, for sure. It's like,
1: oh, I want to show them that I'm okay living on my own. I'm okay taking a job that has nothing to do with them. It's like... And when you're still defining your actions by being not a part of a group, rather <laughs> right. than just independently, because of the actions you want to take, your head is a hundred percent still in the clan. So I'm right. like, ah, she. Yeah. No, you're. She's just as her. much in the clan.
0: Yeah, that's a very yeah, subtle just as much distinction in the clan as that Fonda Lee made. That character like really strong because she understood that subtlety of like, yeah, she's not doing this because She really wanted to work, like in the business world she really wanted a corporate job no she wanted to stick it to Mm -hmm. her family and you know one of the big themes in this book is it is family and how that kind of gets wrapped into this crime syndicate too and how they're hopelessly interlaced and like shay's arc of trying to find her own identity and ultimately like Embracing the family, it mirrors Anden's storyline well too, because he's someone who's kind of defined by his family as well. And this whole idea of like, can I get out of this? Is this something I want to be in? Like, do we have choices? Like, can we still be a loving family and 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 not take part in this violent crime? Like, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting question asked to two very different characters and. They almost kind of end up in opposite spots at the end in in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, What I like about Andin is, you know, he was adopted into the family. So there's an interesting layer of family dynamic there where, uh, you know, Hilo treats him like a brother, of course. And Lon always says, oh, you're like my brother. But there's the age difference. And, you know, Andin never... I think took him a while to fully accept that he was part of the family sometimes too. So there's that int- and like his friends don't know quite how to treat him and everything like that. So that is a great addition to his character. And then his mother who is a very powerful you know, green bone user I think like she was able to use jade in a very specific yeah. way like really well. Um yeah. and Andon's very accomplished with jade as well too but she died from the itches and that's kind of scarred him too so he's got these these ghosts hanging over him and like that like the way he separates from the clan it is very interesting and almost in direct opposition to shay who's who's gets pulled back in so yeah and then also you got to remember andin was delivering the shine to lon and he knows lon overdosed on shine he's one of the few people that know the truth so now he's anti-shine like anti all these things Mm -hmm. and and the fact that he walks away is such a powerful moment that i loved too so um it's an interesting look at like can you break can you break away from your family like is that even possible like even when we are on our own we're still defined by our families in a lot of ways and i think that question is presented in two really interesting ways between Shay and
1: well said charles and i think it's such phenomenal writing from fonda lee to build in these themes of family and duty and just what all of this means in society from from what jade means in society to what it means to be loyal to your clan in this society Mm -hmm. to like how on like how much honor there is in graduating first in your class and all at the academy it's like all this stuff where it makes that moment you're talking about where at the actual graduation we get and in declaring from everyone that he doesn't want jade and he doesn't want a part of this it's like i don't know i at that moment it was such a payoff for me and it made me realize how good job Lee did with this because i was like uh, i was like cringy i was like oh no like not in front of everyone like that yeah like this is gonna be so this is gonna be such bad looks Mm -hmm. and Hilo's gonna be so pissed (laughs) and it's like the fact that a moment can kind of like strike you that hard Mm -hmm. it can make you oh come to see oh wow she did a great job of defining this culture this society this family
0: yeah and there's great dialogue between hilo and andin at the end after andin walks away from receiving the honorific like first in class stone of jade and mm-hmm. it's exactly right because hilo loved andin like a brother and you see that like he's been training him up building him up like showing him that support Throughout the whole thing, and then for Andon to just walk away uh, is t- to Hilo the most hurtful thing you can do. There's nothing mm. more hurtful to Hilo than to kind of go against the family, right? Because those interpersonal intimate relationships matter more to Hilo than anything you can beat the crap out of him take away all of his money whatever like you can do anything to hilo and he's strong he's a fighter but the area where he's tender is his emotional relationships with his family and if he feels like you kind of betrayed that relationship it's the most damaging thing you could do to him so now hilo is in the wake of that especially after they killed the mountain together that was like hilo's like Oh, we're going to do so many great things together, buddy. Like, you and me together. Like, there's mm-hmm. no stopping what we can do. And then you have Andon, Like, when I had that much jade, it gave me a feeling of power that I know I just have to stay it away too from. Much. He liked it too much. Like, when I literally exploded the mountain's brain <laughs> with pure, like, jade energy, it felt way too good. And he makes a fantastic case. Like, it's. That is kind of an alarming attitude to have, and it, it, it's one that this society tries to build up and support. But it's one that you know you can't build a family relationship out of, and you can't survive as an individual with that. And like, look at what happened to Lon. Look what happened to Enden's parents. It's something that he's exactly perpetually afraid of. He's like, I don't want to be a killer. I don't want to be a weapon. And Helo's like. I thought we were being brothers in arms, man, brothers in arms. Like we're in war. How could you disrespect me like this? It's such a great argument where it just sucks for everybody. No one's wrong. It's, it's a, and I'm excited to see yeah. where that goes in the trilogy. You know, it's like, how does that relationship continue? It's,
1: it's such an earned moment. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, Charles, because of what he saw happen to Lon and what happened to his mom. And you, you just buy it so much, and sometimes those surprise moments at the end of books, they're just, they feel forced, and they feel mm-hmm. like they're the kind of things to set up conflict in the next book, keep you reading, but you're like, uh, this is weird. Why would this character refuse Jade? This is all this character has ever wanted is to graduate first in a class and play a big role in the clan. And it's like, Oh wow. On top of what he experienced with Lon and what he experienced with his mom, then he experiences what it's really like to have all of that Jade. And he sees mm-hmm. shades of, uh, of the issues that probably got his mom into trouble uh, showing up in him and he's like this life is just not for me and it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful moment and the way Hilo reacts to it is expected but, but no one's wrong I, I agree right. with you there Charles. that's what makes a good
0: conflict uh, <laughs> for sure it's there's so many systematic issues with being a crime family with having unchecked power that also has really severe withdrawal symptoms it's like there's there's you know really systematic issues with that and it's when you layer in this idea of honor and i show and like doing right by the family it builds all this extra pressure and it mixes really violently the result as we've seen is explosive and and is so trying to cling on to hit any kind of idea of identity and like he just wants to see any other fate for himself other than killing until he kills himself kind of a thing from the itches and it's like there's got to be a better life for me somewhere but everything he has is tied into his family his adopted family so like what can he do and then and like Hilo is like i need you like we're we did some really great stuff just now and we can continue to be great and like i'm losing this war left and right like we are totally outclassed in every way and i need you or we're i'm going to die and you walking away is going to potentially cause me to lose this war and die myself and your your whole family will die and like is this what you want and he and and that's a tough thing that andon is left with to think over and now of course like you said dylan he rebuked the 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 jade in front of everyone so that's gonna have a ripple effect that Mm. like is gonna be really um all the gossip wheels are going to be turning after that for sure it's because of how public that was so it's a really messy situation and the idea of identity is kind of get like self is getting lost in this family war that's just so destructive right now and i, I think you have different people trying to you have Hilo who's trying to keep the family together and you have Andon who's trying to uh avoid this violent end that he sees as inevitable and they're both noble pursuits it's just it puts them at odds really uh and that's what makes that ending moment so so terrific and it what brings this whole story kind of to an end you're left with this idea of like no one's really winning right now this this war's kind of hit this turning point now that the horn is dead from the mountain clan but it's still a long battle ahead and And now the family is is kind of been in the scandal. (laughs) And then caused a scandal. So it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And aren't there, I think there are two moments,
1: one with Shay and one with uh, Lon, where they go to see Anon at the Academy. And the result of their interactions is like, hey, I just want to make sure you're doing this because you want to do this. You do have options here. Mm-hmm. And I was I thought it was kind of odd when I was when I was first reading it because mm-hmm. I was like, uh, didn't we do this interaction already? Like, I think by the time Shay's doing it, it's like Lon did it way before and they have the same kind of interaction uh, with Andon. And I'm, I'm now thinking back and I'm like, wow, that was <laughs> that was really good because I think they had the two characters besides Hilo, uh, be like, hey, you know you're good, like we we respect it if you leave, and right. then it's Hilo who's in charge by the time he leaves. And Hilo, uh, all all he really did was show up and beat the crap out of it, right? right. <laughs> in a nice <laughs> and, and now Lana's dead in a brotherly and way. She's kind of
0: converted dead. back. And there, I do like the interactions. But she's she's not... Uh,
1: she still feels that way about yeah. and She's still she trying to... She's trying to... Yeah, I mean, she's telling Hilo uh, at the end, he's like, you, you guys should talk. Like, there's no reason why you two should be at such odds. He's basically our brother. Mm. And he... He is not up for that, so right. we'll, we'll have to see what happens in future books. But I was always fascinated
0: uh, by the conversations between Shay and Anden, because in a lot of ways it feels like there's always like this missed connection, missed opportunity between them. Like they couldn't really connect. Um, I know, like Anden wanted to kind of con. Best all this like shine delivery stuff he was doing with Lon right before Lon died, and Shay was like, "Oh, I'm so excited to have my new job." And he's like, "Oh, um, um, congratulations." And they both felt like this moment was kind of missed between them. To me, that's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting dynamic that Shay like is saying all these things, but she hasn't really had the opportunity to connect with Anden in, in any like interpersonal meaningful way it just kind of feels like they're very polite towards each other and and haven't quite gotten in sync yet and it's ultimately what led um Andin to keep lon's secret like Andon was about to confess the whole shine thing and would that have made a difference maybe uh it, it, it could have helped uh prevent lon from overdosing or being on his own or something um but uh he he keeps the secret and and he feels kind of guilt for that. But it's also when, apart from Shay, like not fully listening and being present with her conversations with, with And. And I don't know, there's something there for me that I, I find interesting when those two get together. They, they, they're kind of opposite, but similar in a lot of ways. And, and that's caused them to really have a hard time Connecting like Anden's done with Hilo. I I just think Hilo loves everybody in the family like a puppy and is trying to bring them all together. Whereas Shay's been trying to keep her distance for so long that they really don't have anything in common.
1: Yeah, I like what you bring up about how they're opposites in some way, but similar in others. It's like they're opposites in the sense that Anden felt a little bit on the outside and his whole life was focused on how do I really get myself entrenched on the inside Mm -hmm. here? And Shay is the opposite in the sense that she was born right on the inside. She's (laughs) one of the main family members and she was always trying to see how can I get myself out more toward the periphery here where I can maintain relationships with the people Mm -hmm. in my family, but not... Be a not be a call in the true sense of it in mm-hmm. terms of being part of the you know the Cap left family, <laughs> and I, I feel like it's it goes to show such great uh, character arcs where by the end the one who always wanted to be on the inside and was striving from the outside had the opportunity to be, uh, to be right there and turns it away. And meanwhile, Shay, mm-hmm. the one who's been trying to get out to the periphery, ends up fully entrenched as the <laughs> weatherman. And I think I've heard, I think this was Bram Sanderson, but I, it, it could be anyone, I'm not positive, who said, like, you know it's really great character writing when uh, you know exactly what a character wants and they're striving for that the whole book. But then in the end they get what they need and it's different from what it was that they wanted and i think you kind of get that with both of those characters Mm -hmm. and then what he really needed was to get away to uh, this life of violence was never going to actually work out well for him and then with shay what she really needed was to be a central part of this family it's what she's Good at it's really what she knows and who she is deep down, and it was time to stop denying it and just commit to that life fully. I think mm-hmm. so.
0: That's interesting.
1: In the end, ever, yeah, they both get what they need, but not what they wanted the whole time. Yeah,
0: very true. Yeah, no, I, I'm as the story progresses, I'm very interested in those two characters because they're like they overlap in so many ways, but yeah, I mean. So many powerful moments here. I feel like in the spirit of being all encompassing here, I want to air my one really minor um, criticism of the story. And like, let's not let's not get confused here. This is a great book and it was highly entertaining, incredibly well plotted and fantastic magic system and 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 world and characters. But for me, and I was kind of talking to you about this off the air a little, bit, and There was the one, this one thing that keeps happening in the book, and this is more of not aligning to my taste than being actually not good. But there, there'd be dialogue, for example, you would have, let's say, Shay talking to Hilo, and then they're in the middle of a conversation, and then all of a sudden, the narrative gives this whole backstory of like, oh, it's like Shay's like, hey, brother, it's been a long time, it's like it's been a long time since Shay left for the other country with her boyfriend and then they had a whole life and Hilo never forgave him. And even when they tried to keep in touch, Hilo was always avoiding her and he, she, she's feared this moment her whole time. And then he'll go, uh, it's okay to see you too. Like whatever. And then you're like, wait, what <laughs> like, were we having a conversation? I kind of lost track. And that happened quite a bit in this story where in the middle of dialogue, you have this like full context in while the dialogue is happening, and I think for me it's just a simple editing thing of like you have these great characters, you've written this great dialogue. Let's let it play out. We can understand the relationship between Shay and Hilo just by what they're saying. We don't need the context of Oh Shay left and that broke Hilo's heart and they had a hard time reconciling. It's like we know that from what they're saying and what they're doing in these moments. And in these cases, the showing is much more strong. Uh, than the telling so uh, and that happened a lot in this book where Mm -hmm. almost every conversation was interrupt i'm gonna say interrupted but really like interlaced with the full context history of what happened between them And it's like i don't know if i need the context while the scene is happening you know that that to me was kind of disruptive and you, you know like the stories i like is like Almost like TV scenes, kind of where there's dialogue and action happening, and that propels the background and the context of the story. That's just my preferred way. I know a lot of fantasy isn't written like that, so I'm not saying that this is a con, but for me, it was distracting a lot when I'm like, oh, great, more context. I, I think this could have been a really strong, like 400, 350 page book with all that context stripped away and let the conversations kind of play out. But that's just me. That's just my personal taste. I, and I felt like that had to be said because as much as I love this book I found myself being like context again okay like like I could have guessed a lot of this because your scene is so well set up and like I don't need the full context I don't know I don't know if you felt the same way Dylan but that was just something I ran into and was like sharing with you as we were going I didn't want to omit that from the episode right yeah it's something
1: that you brought up to me and once you brought up to me I started noticing it (laughs) everywhere you know one of those things it's like it's like the fedex uh sign or the arrow. You, know, you, see you, you can't unsee it cannot r- unsee. <laughs> and there's exactly someone points out to you that there's that arrow formed <laughs> uh you know if, if this might be your moment listener where you're <laughs> learning about the arrow in the fedex sign and once you see it you can never unsee it but for some reason before you saw it it was invisible to you and that's exactly what was happening for me with these exposition dumps that would happen in the middle of the the dialogue. But once, uh, yeah, uh, I I agree, and it made it uh, kind of jarring, much more jarring once you brought it up. But uh, <laughs> that's my, know, that's a, <laughs> oh, I didn't it's mean to ruin it fault. for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and that's the thing; it far from ruins the book. Right, right and it is. It. I think. I think what I'm hearing too, the when you're discussing it, and I agree with this, it's uh, Fondly's dialogue and her character writing. It is so strong mm-hmm. that this exposition is not needed. Right, we can see in the interactions that these kind of, uh, I guess, conflicts are at. Play, And we can read into it and there's this trust in the reader that Mm -hmm. I think Fonda Lee uh, could provide in those moments and trust in in herself in her own writing because it it is all there that we we know how important in, in that example you're giving there Charles the Hilo and Shay interaction. We know how important family and duty are to this clan. We know what Shay did and that she's just coming back. And we know Hilo pretty well as a character. We can read in between these lines because mm. it's there. The character writing is there. So I, I think it's the kind of thing that this is, I think, her her second book. I think yeah, she wrote yeah, a sci-fi, wrote sci-fi book before, before this.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, but I do believe it's her second published book. I think. And... I hear such amazing things about the sequels and the series as a whole.
0: Right. It's such
1: a a minor uh, foible so that minor, we're pointing yeah. out just because the book is so strong and yeah. you feel like you got to point out the one thing that uh, <laughs> was disruptive in your reading mm-hmm. process and it's something that is so easy to yeah, just edit it to out. work out right you <laughs> right. can edit out you can uh, in future books you can say okay i'm just not going to include that bit or i'm going to move it somewhere where it's not in the middle of a conversation mm-hmm. or whatever so it's you know if you're reading a book and you're like this these concepts this person's getting into it's just like not interesting or the dialogue in this book is just not good it doesn't sound real or these characters feel flimsy or one-dimensional those kind of criticisms that's something you're like i don't know if this author is for me and i don't know if i'm ever going to enjoy stuff by this when the critique is like oh this stuff could probably be cut this stuff could probably be moved uh, the character writing is good enough where we don't need this explained to right. us explicitly. Like, that is part of, I think, high praise for a book that is oh, yeah. extremely strong and has all the elements. And,
0: and that's the thing, I have all a thing. lot of the of faith challenging that parts be of writing a fantasy novel are so brilliantly executed here. Like, I can't say enough about the way the magic system was built into the political and like economical Mm -hmm. and like tension and it's also built into the family tension which is built into Mm -hmm. the characters it's like when you have something that rich and multi-layered and then you have this whole cast of characters around it you hardly need to explain anything you did all the heavy lifting just in in building this world and i think so many like that's such a rare thing i think that's what makes good fantasy books truly best in class is that they're able to pull that off in in such an honest way where all of a sudden the machine it becomes a machine that starts turning and just moves the whole story just like like lifts the whole story on its own without this explanation and it kind of reminds me of like in the very beginning you have lon talking to you know call sen and it's basically like call sen is being super rude to lon and to be like excuse me get it Call send. Can I please hire a new other man? He's like, no, I hate you. And then it cuts back to Lon's wife recently <laughs> left him for another man, causing him to lose faith in Kain and affecting his abilities. Despite this, he's still a strong leader for the clan. He's like, okay, whatever you say, Don. And then leaves. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, did we need all that explanation? Like, he could have just made a conversation. It's like, I hate you as much as your wife does. And you'd be like, oh, it's kind of mysterious. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah. like, obviously, Lee would write something much better and more subtle than that but it's like you know that would speak more than giving me the full explanation i just felt like that was happening so much and i was like you did all the heavy lifting of creating this beautiful like ecosystem and some writers describe the process as like once the characters come to life or something they just go and i feel like this world is just going and, and it's super fascinating obviously she's these big plot moments are paying off in so many spectacular ways that you can tell she's been building towards all of these things. And that, again, being able to set up and pay off is, is such an art and it's masterfully done here. So, all of these things that are really hard to accomplish as an author, fondly just knocked out of the park. So, and I think that's why a lot of people say, you know, having only read Jade City and hearing a lot of people that recommend it be like, you have to read the whole trilogy. I think that makes a lot of sense to me as well, because I can only see just the conflict is just beginning and like her her like her setup and her build up is only just getting started. And I feel like she's got a lot of that out of the way now. And I and I can see the second and third books really picking up traction and really picking up steam as we go through the story. So the fact that people don't just recommend a book, they're like, you have to read the whole series. I feel like that's kind of unique. Like, obviously, fans want you to read the whole series, but a lot of fans explicitly say, read the whole series. It's excellent, which I feel like is a really unique thing to Jade City recommendations that we've gotten compared to recommendations for other authors or books. I don't know if you felt the same way, Dylan.
1: Oh, for sure. It's something, I think... You know, I think back to something like The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison, mm-hmm. a fantastic book, part of even a, a series that won Hugo Awards for every single book in the series. Mm-hmm. And that being said, I've read the whole series there. It's all phenomenal, all deserved, of course. But that's a book when we were talking about, oh, we're going to read the fifth season for the podcast. Everyone's just like, oh, great excited (laughs) you know i'm glad it's a great book yeah and that's a book that won hugo's for every single book in the series (laughs) and even that series you hardly get any responses they are like okay but you gotta read the next two books right away too (laughs) and it's like oh uh okay like when you post jade city i would say you're you're just or on our account we're bound to get multiple people on every post like that that's like Okay, you have to read all three of them though. So it's very interesting. I think mm-hmm. we've yet to see because we haven't read the next two books exactly what's going on mm-hmm. there. I think the like I think the implications of some of the things she's set up are just begging to be explored. I just think even some of the stuff like stone eyes and mm. the implications of being able to uh being able to carry jade and not have it serve oh, yeah. uh that uh, that dangerous purpose in it even if you can't use it and th- there's things like that we've always scratched and then the when going to the other of, government
0: and making that like yeah. side deal for jade like that's all just kicking off it's a whole another world <laughs> the whole other continent of people like yeah it's, it's just right. getting started in so many ways
1: yeah, it's only scratch the surface. I have full confidence series, in Fondelis' and...
0: plotting too. I know that the the best is yet to come. I've I've seen it in this story here. And uh yeah, it's it's like there's there's so much going on here and there's so much subtleties in like I said the relationships, the political factions, the economics, like there's so much going on in all of that that still has to be explored and resolved that uh, i can see why people are like you can't just like put book one down and judge the series like it's a greater work for sure and, and it's only getting started
1: it is only getting started charles but we on the other hand <laughs> i think we're only getting finished over here uh <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i Unless think that they, oh said. whoa is that <laughs> the, uh, the listeners can't hear but that uh, that intro music just played, played the right yeah. in the background so <laughs> maybe we're only getting started <laughs> round no, two we are so. not only
0: getting started we we i think we've talked a lot about it i will also say it was funny i was listening to the audiobook and i was like i bet this is the same guy that did um Oh, shoot. The, the Sword, Sword of Kaigen. I was like, I so. bet it's the same guy. And I looked it up. They have the same first name, but different last names. And that confused me so much. I was like, wait, is this still the same person? (laughs) Like, you know, it's 2022, almost 2023. Maybe they changed their name. Like, it happens. And I'm still not sure because they sound so similar. (laughs) And they're both (laughs) named Andrew. You didn't work that out before. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Uh, I'm not fully convinced they're not the same person. But I think they are two different people. But it was just one of those funny things because the stories are kind of similar, like a post- like, it's, like, a more modern setting, and then, like, there's obviously, like, a lot of cultural elements weaved in from, like, Asian cultures that is really fascinating. And so, I was like, oh, and then they bring in the same, like, like audiobook narrator. Interesting. And I was like, oh, no, they're different. They just have the same, like, the same first name. Super bizarre. But, uh, there you go. That um, is funny. It is what it is. It confused me greatly. But, um... No, all
1: good. Yeah, they are both Andrews. Yeah,
0: they're both Andrews, Um, but apparently they're different. And I think the one that did Jade City voiced a lot of like clone troopers in uh, Star Wars, which is super interesting. Interesting. He's got a lot of like animated Star Wars uh, (laughs) cast roles there, which I'm I'm a fan of so yeah i mean he's silky They're smooth such a big voice, fan yeah. that you have
1: another podcast <laughs> uh, roger roger a star wars podcast uh based on the star wars franchise you know That's the release schedule true. slowed
0: down a little bit lately we're on notice. a hiatus but, but um it happens to the best of us <laughs> there's still plenty of back library stuff to watch and enjoy in that show for sure but uh, more important than that is that you know learn. you guys check out you know, Fonda Lee's works and you know if you like um, Jade City it's Jade Wars the next one I believe and uh, yeah it's then Jade Legacy I'm super impressed by Fonda Lee. this is my first experience reading anything from Fonda Lee and it was also in, like there was this back and forth that it was maybe gonna be a TV show for peacock and then apparently that <laughs> yeah, fell I heard through about that. which I'm mixed feelings because on one hand, I would love to see this adapted to, to television. But on the other hand, it's like, we can do better than Peacock. Like, let's be real here. So I'm kind of the, oh, wow, I'm kind of, I'm kind of Chad, I wonder, I wonder what Fonda thinks of that. <laughs> I'm sure Fonda's, Fonda's disappointed. Like, oh, but, I can
1: do better than Peacock. Like, screw these. Oh, no, it's, I'm sure. it's more,
0: it's like, let's get more eyeballs on this. Let's think a little bigger than, than Peacock. Like we can do this. Um, um, there's there's opportunity they in this peacock, deal. We
1: get HBO. Get them on the on HBO. the horn. Oh, Nailed ho-ho-ho. it. Nice, nice. Good. Once the puns start coming out, <laughs> it's you know is
0: unraveling. too long. I don't yeah. think we're gonna do any better than that pun though. So um, uh, yeah, I think we just get got to play that sweet sweet outro music.
1: Mm, It is a pillar of our show.
0: (laughs) Man. (laughs) If we were in person, you'd be getting the fist right now. (laughs) Ah. Nailed it. Uh Um,
1: I was trying to think of a way to work in like that I'm a part of the mountain clan when you were talking about how when I went to Colorado Ah. it was like you were like, oh, now that you're in Colorado and not part of the um, part of Long Island anymore, Mm -hmm. um, because I was like, well, I defected to join the Mountain Clan. But, you know, things were moving so fast.
0: Uh, Coffee hadn't even really kicked in. I'm just (laughs) starving over here. Uh, Well, please (laughs) allow me to use one of my my discipline of deflection to. Get away from your, your, our poor puns and just get to the outro here. Please tell me I can play that sweet, sweet outro music.
1: Get that sweet, sweet outro music. Channeling. Yeah. Uh, it's, That's the best I can do. I just, just get it pumping. Just, you know. I'll get it pumping. Here we go. Let's move forward here. All right. <laughs>
0: Thank you all so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and follow us on social media. That's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end for Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they like the show and they like what they heard today and they want to support us even more than following us on the socials, what can they do? five stars to
1: our podcast, and you can do that now on Spotify. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. It's just two clicks over there on Spotify, and helps us so much. Apple, you can even leave a review to tell us, hopefully, what you're enjoying about this show, and it, it means a lot to us. Anytime we we see ratings or reviews, it helps us out so much. Um, uh, trust us no matter how many reviews we get we have never grown jaded
0: so (laughs) no (laughs) stop right now stop stop the show (laughs) stop thank you all so so much for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends